the New York Democrats want the governor to go. I'm Pam Puso, Fox News. Two more powerful politicians add their voices to a growing chorus. New York Senators Kirsten Gillibrand and Chuck Schumer calling on Governor Andrew Cuomo to resign, reversing course due to, quote, the multiple credible sexual harassment and misconduct allegations. They went on to write that the governor has lost the confidence of his governing partners and the people of New York. Fox's Brian Yanis, the governor himself, remains defiant. I never harassed anyone. I never abused anyone. I never assaulted anyone. The governor is also under scrutiny for his handling of nursing home patients during the early days of the coronavirus pandemic. Bank accounts across the U.S. could start getting bigger this weekend as the federal government processes stimulus payments from the latest COVID relief bill that not one Republican approved. This reckless spending is uh, obviously racking up a lot of debt for our kids and grandkids, but importantly, it's undermining our economic stability. Congressman Chip Roy. Struggles containing COVID will send Italy back into lockdown. On Monday, people in the most populated regions will be required to stay home except for essential reasons. The city of Minneapolis will pay the family of George Floyd $27 million to settle a wrongful death lawsuit. Floyd died last year after a confrontation with police. Back when he filed this suit, Benjamin Crump, who represents the family of Floyd, said he wanted to make it financially prohibitive for police to wrongfully kill marginalized people, especially black people. Fox's Mike Tobin to Louisville, where it's been one year since Breonna Taylor was shot and killed by police. None of the officers directly involved in her death were charged. Taylor's family will participate in a march today. America's listening to Fox News. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, getting schooled with Abby Hornacek. I just think they looked at the list of the companies that were most heavily shorted and decided to go for those. It's so interesting that this all happened because of a Reddit forum. Also, it just shows the power of the Internet nowadays. You know, it's interesting to look at both sides of the story, too. Obviously, the Redditors really benefited off of this, but the hedge funds, not so much. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, this is the Fox News Rundown. Start your day with a contrast of perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. A daily morning podcast going far beyond the headlines. Tapping into the massive reporting resources of Fox News to provide a full picture of the news of the day. I'm Dana Perino. I'm Red Bear. I'm Jessica Tarlov. I'm Chris Wallace, and this is the Fox News Rundown. Listen and subscribe now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. With the COVID relief bill in the rearview mirror, Democrats appear to be eyeing another legislative priority. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi is calling on House committees to begin working on a big, bold, and transformational infrastructure package. A plan, she says, to create good-paying jobs for the future. Always been bipartisan for us. In the many dec- in the years I've been in Congress, three decades, it's always been bipartisan. The speaker has not proposed a size or scope of legislation, but any proposal is likely to include not just roads and bridges, but mass transit, high-speed Internet, and green energy upgrades. Congress has been divided in the past over costs and how to pay for improvements. Jared Halpern, Fox News. 
Prosecutors call him a threat to the community. But a judge in Washington, D.C. has released a man from jail who is charged with conspiring with members of a militia group in the attack on the U.S. Capitol. Authorities have linked Thomas Caldwell to a far-right group called the Oath Keepers. But the judge who released him while he awaits trial says Caldwell didn't enter the Capitol. The judge also says there's no direct evidence that he plotted to in advance. Prosecutors maintain that in a text message, the Virginia man suggested getting a boat to ferry weapons across the Potomac River. While much of the nation got a taste of spring this week, winter is not over yet. Colorado, Wyoming, and Nebraska are bracing for a major snowstorm with strong winds. Colorado Governor Jared Polis has the National Guard on standby for possible search and rescue missions. The Colorado Department of Transportation also asking drivers there to stay off the roads this weekend. That closures of I-70, I-25, and I-76 are expected. Fox's Jeff Manasso. In some spots, the storm could dump up to two feet of snow. Pam Puso, Fox News. This is WFMD News. Maryland is extending the state's income tax deadline by three months to July 15th. Comptroller Peter Francho made the announcement Thursday. No interest or penalties will be assessed if returns are filed and taxes owed are paid by the new deadline. The legislation is desperately needed. That's how 6th District Representative David Trone describes the American Rescue Plan, which passed both houses of Congress. Trone supported the legislation, which contains $350 billion for state and local governments, including more than $50 million for Frederick County. And the Maryland Senate has passed a measure to fight climate change that includes plans to plant 5 million trees over 10 years. The Senate voted 34 to 11 for the measure Friday. It now goes to the House, where similar legislation is pending. I'm Kevin McManus on Mid-Maryland's Radio News Center, 930 WFMD. The 930 WFMD SkyScan forecast for Frederick and surrounding counties. As we head into the day, sunny with a high near 54 and west winds around 7 miles per hour. Saturday night, mostly clear with a low around 35 and light west winds. Sunday, sunny with a high near 59 and west winds 6 to 11 miles per hour, increasing to 12 to 17 miles per hour in the afternoon. Winds could gust as high as 28 miles per hour. PJ's Roofing. When it comes to your roof, they've got you covered. Visit pjsroofing.com. I'm Dan Sutton. For nearly two decades, the award-winning Your Financial Editor program on 930 WFMD. News from the worlds of business and finance with your financial editor, Chris Murray. Welcome to another edition of the Your Financial Editor program right here on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com. And as a podcast on iTunes. Thanks so much for being with us. I hope your weekend's going well. Good program for you today. Really interesting top stories, some economic data uh, from the past week. And um, also joining me, the CEO of RCAF USA will be joining me from Billings, Montana. Uh, this is the largest producer-only cattle trade association in America. So they're the small ranchers, cattlemen, stock growers, and we're going to talk about the importance of, number one, who owns our food companies these days in America, um, and um, also the train wreck that we saw during the virus last year with our uh, production and distribution, and the foreign beef suppliers out there that are bringing foreign product 
into the United States and slapping a USDA sticker on it. Uh, so we're going to shine light on that. It's very important. You know, I spoke last year uh, during the virus outbreak about uh, what was happening with um, the various producers and how they had to shut down because of uh, uh, the virus and, and employees um, contracting that. And just what a mess it was where there was times where there wasn't enough food on the shelves for people when they would go to the grocery store. So we're going to get to the bottom of that. Um, everybody knows by now the uh, pork uh, bill that was signed into law. Uh, Biden on March 11th signed the $1.9 trillion uh, bill saying that it was supported by most Americans, despite it received absolutely no Republican votes. So, you know, when something uh, makes sense, you have uh, bipartisan cooperation and voting and, and negotiating. This was nothing of the sort. This was a, a Christmas gift. It was a payoff. And it was very, very sad to see uh, Biden and the Democratic Party uh, really standing literally on top of, in my opinion, dead bodies to further uh, their uh, power and money grab. So uh, the House of Representatives, uh, in, again, a partisan vote on the 10th, approved alterations that the Senate had made uh, to the pork package. No Republicans voted for the plan in either chamber. Uh, Biden said the bill would rebuild the backbone of this country and give uh, working class persons a fighting chance. N no, that's not true. American workers and free trade markets do that, not government um, baby bottles, if you will, where you try to get people hooked on a $600 check or a $1,400 check or a $1,200 check or a child tax credit. Uh, that's dependency, um, and it's really it's addictive, and that's what their goal is. Um, he continued his trend for not taking questions when he signed the bill. Look, I, you know, I, I don't think that uh, Obama did this country any good, but at least he could read his speeches. He was very good with the teleprompter. That was the one thing he was good at. The only thing really. Um, he had no work experience, you know, didn't know how uh, to to run any type of business. And when he brought that into office, it was obvious. But Biden can't even read well. He just can't. And it's uh, it's scary to think what may be going on behind the scenes. So this um, thing that he signed into law, $1,400 stimulus checks, $350 billion in bailouts uh, to uh states and local governments who were just did a terrible job that's moral hazard where you reward people from doing the wrong for doing the wrong thing uh 130 billion dollars for schools with only about 6 billion going to um schools this year uh so so much for it being this 130 bills being used for um opening schools um so 6 billion this year then the payoffs for the next 6 years uh, to the teacher unions and, and other entities that you have to really wonder how much of all of these, you know, trillions of dollars are going to make it back to the politicians and really help them to get reelected. Uh, it also extends supplemental unemployment payments through September. <laughs> Again, reward and overpay people to stay at home and sit on the couch. Uh, that's just the stupidest thing that, um, that, that, you can even try to fathom um, again 
fiscal conservatives uh, were opposed to the package for many, many reasons, including the fact that most of the funding isn't related to um, combating the virus. And uh, most of the funding, as I mentioned, for schools, that's back-ended. Um, so it's it's just it's so obvious when you pay just a little bit of attention to it. Um, so uh, it was really, really a shame. Sad day. And uh, now, you know, we're even more in debt and we're becoming more and more vulnerable uh, because of that debt to those that uh, don't want us to succeed going forward uh, and actually would like to overtake us as the world's top economy the world's top free markets the world's top military um so it's a it's really 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 a shame also we saw this week uh brent crude uh actually jumped above 70 bucks a barrel uh that's the first time we've seen that since the uh, virus began uh, a year ago and um this uh started these higher prices at the pump as soon as the new administration uh, walked into the White House, started signing executive orders to limit our energy independence. And um, then, of course, now you've got the Irani, uh, Iranian-backed Houthi rebels who are uh, unleashing these coordinated attacks on Saudi Arabia's oil facilities and, and various military bases, knowing that they have uh, a friend in the White House again. And OPEC, they and their allies uh, decided to keep production cuts largely unchanged. So, um, you know, we're right back where we were prior to the Trump administration um, of just being it's it's messy when it comes to energy. And we had accomplished so much. But now they're going to try to force this um, uh, the the new Green Deal type of mentality which is going to drive energy prices up across the board. And as I always like to remind people, who does it hurt the most? The poor and those on fixed incomes, because that's an immediate tax, basically. You know, when you go down and, and get fuel and it's gone up 30, 40, 60 cents a gallon, um, you've got to pay it. So that's an immediate punishment for you. And then, you know, the whole thing, yeah, make a solar panel or a windmill or, you know, whatever, uh, wind energy. Um, a lot of that technology is nowhere near ready. So, uh, but they're going to force it on you, uh, even though it's, it's poor technology and much more expensive. Um, I don't know if I really haven't determined what their true energy policy is, um, with the new administration, but, you know, it harks back to when we had problems with energy costs during the um, Obama administration. And in all of their words of wisdom, the one thing that I remember is make sure your tires are properly inflated. So that was just uh, like that's something the Dalai Lama would say, I guess. Um, anyway, it's just ridiculous. Um, also, we saw a report uh, this week uh, is actually the first survey of 2021 from the National Association of Manufacturers. They surveyed about 450 different manufacturing companies and manufacturers, they're, they're optimistic about, uh, this year, but they also are expressing concerns, uh, about the Biden backed protecting the rights to organize or pro act, which is, um, again, pro 
union uh, and doesn't allow the uh, right to work type states to to function as well as they have in the past. So uh, President Trump, of course, pushed for America first, brought back manufacturing jobs to the United States, allowed American companies to repatriate money that was being held outside of the United States uh, so that they could use it for investment and jobs. And, um, you know, I wonder how that's going to go uh, forward. These manufacturers, knowing what was built as far as the economic structure the last uh, couple years, few years, and um, you saw manufacturing actually come back to the United States. And uh, now I, I don't know how that's going to work out. We'll have to keep a very close eye on that. Also, we saw uh, Goldman Sachs put out a note uh, earlier this week from their economists saying that they really think there's going to be a lot of growth this year. And they're right. There is going to be a lot of growth this year. And that's because of all the money sloshing around and uh, the zero percent interest rates uh, type policy. So that's no surprise. Anybody you, you really can can bank on that. There is so much money and there's so much pent up demand because of these forced regulations and restrictions that when um, people well, I mean, a lot of us are already never really stopped living our lives. Just, you know, we were smart and did the right things. Kind of the things you learn in kindergarten, um, you know, wash your hands, cover your cough and sneeze. Um, don't touch your face, you know, all that kind of stuff. But for the people who have been uh, petrified um, and that was orchestrated, of course, um you know, when they actually get back out for whatever the reason may be that all of a sudden they start listening to um, a, a, a politician or uh, someone from the CDC, there's, a, like I said, a lot of pent up demand. And that is just going to be phenomenal for the economy. Um, you know, when you come out of something like this that we haven't seen in a generation, the the virus that was unleashed from from China on us. Um, the only way to go is up. I mean, it's kind of like when we came out of the financial crisis and the housing bust, the only way to go was up. I said back then that you could put a kindergartner in the White House and things would have gotten better. Here, the virus, I say a third grader, but again, um, that may be, maybe younger. The only way to go is up. The problem is too much and overheating the economy, creating uh, inflation that becomes runaway and causes some real serious problems. So we'll see how the uh, uh, administration handles the challenges that they have in front of them. But again, the only way to go for right now for this year is up. Uh, and, you know, we saw U.S. households ended 2020 with a record $130.2 trillion, trillion in wealth, according to the Federal Reserve. So for those folks that had investments uh, or have investments in the financial markets, uh, obviously, after the big correction in March, you saw a very, very nice rebound in the financial markets. And, um, that was represented in people's portfolios. Also, uh, you saw that uh, real estate values, because it's such a great housing market for sellers, those values added $900 billion to the bottom line for the folks in the country 
that uh, own um, real estate. Also, balances and cash, checking accounts, savings deposits, they were all up by 600 over $642 billion in the fourth quarter to a record $14.1 trillion. So just a, a really good 2020 as far as uh, household wealth goes. And um, that was good to see for people. The other thing I noticed this uh, this week, you've got some serious players that are putting their money where their mouth is um, on the um, success of the United States of America. The buyout firm KKR is seeking to raise $12 billion for their flagship global fund that will invest in infrastructure assets like oil and gas pipelines, uh, renewable energy, energy products, or excuse me, projects. Now, again, these are the good ones. These are, <laughs> KKR, they're great at what they do. So these billions of dollars that they're going to raise, it's not going to be thrown at some stupid renewable energy product, uh, project that, like the government would do, that we've seen in the past that have, uh, could, could even end in bankruptcy. So this is exciting stuff because you've got smart business people really getting involved. And, um, and, and KKR is going to be one of those firms. Another one is the firm Blackstone Group. That's the world's largest manager of alternative assets like private equity and real estate. They're looking to raise $4 billion for a fund to invest in various assets outside of the scope of their other funds like timber and mines, oil tankers, space satellites. So a lot of really interesting and exciting stuff going on um, as far as looking forward and, you know, just how much better uh, America can be made with these very, very smart um, capitalists and, and what they've been able to achieve in the past with pulling so many people out of poverty and also what they'll be able to uh, to do going forward with helping everyone. So really looking forward to that. Um, quick break. Uh, before that, I just want to remind you our free uh, takeaway on the website is titled The Value of an Objective Opinion. Go to murrayfinancialgroup.com, and it's right on the homepage. Just uh, click the tab, and it's a complimentary download instant to your email. I think you'll find it to be a, a good read. Again, The Value of an Objective Opinion. Take me on up to Detroit City. Jails are full, the factory's empty. Mama's crying, young boys dying. Under that red, white, and blue, still flying. Drop me off in Baltimore, where every other winner's got a plywood board. Where dreams become drugs and guns. The only way out is to shoot or run. Stick that in your country song, yeah. Take that one to number one, yeah. Get to home while singing along. So, what do you think of the new porch? I'm taking it. It, it looks like it's made of cardboard. Two ply. Nice. I really like what you did with the molding around the columns, too. Yeah, that's all chewing gum. Had my kids help me out with that part. That's pretty. Ah! Oh, yeah. Watch out for the soft spots there. Looking to remodel, renovate, or do some general home improvements? Start with the only local independently owned lumber yard in the area, NZ Kramer & Sons, just off 550 in Woodsboro, and online at nzkramer.com. It's free talk. 
no matter the cost. That won't cost you a dime. Didn't cost nothing. 930 WFMD. Welcome back. This is Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com and also as a podcast on iTunes. Uh, we were talking right before the break. Oh, I just want to um, remind you, my guest coming up in just a little bit, the uh, CEO of RCAF USA uh, from Billings, Montana. Uh, they represent, uh, they're actually the largest producer-only cattle trade association in America. So they're for the small ranchers, small cattlemen, uh, stock growers out there. But we really need to talk about what's going on with our food supply, where it's coming from, how it's labeled, the disruptions that we experienced uh, during the uh, virus uh, last year, and really make sure we have our hands around or arms around what's going on uh, with that very, very important supply chain when it comes to food i mean we see what we can do with medicine with operation warp speed uh and that was phenomenal i think everybody would agree uh unless they're in denial which is fine you can stay there um but you know it, it the, the food thing is very very who owns the companies you're going to be surprised to find out who owns some of the biggest food companies in the United States of America. Here's a hint. They're not American. So um, when we look at economic data, quite a bit uh, this week, uh, we saw that uh, the NFIB, the National Federation of Independent Small Business Owners, their um, optimism index rose to a reading of 95.8 in February. So that's good, but it's still below the 47-year average reading of 98. Why? When you read what the chief economist, Bill Dunkelberg, who was on the program with us uh, last year, he said that small business owners worked hard in February to overcome some unexpected weather conditions, along with the virus uh, shutdowns, you know, the local regulations and restrictions. So they continue to do the best job they can. But um, it's that reading is still below the average um reading as far as history goes and and that's a shame because you know again the last few years it was just on fire and it was so good to uh to see that something else uh that i was looking at we look at every week actually initial jobless claims the labor department said that 712,000 americans filed first time jobless claims so and then when you look at the continuing claims or the number of americans who are consecutively receiving unemployment aid, that's still at 4.14 million. It's terrible. And that actually doesn't include many, many other Americans that are receiving jobless uh, aid from two other federal programs that Congress established uh, in the CARES Act in March of 2020. So uh, just a really uh, bad situation still for those uh, folks that are that are unemployed. We also saw, and this just will knock you off your chair, the U.S. government posted a budget deficit of $311 billion in the month of February alone. In one month, 
We were upside down by $311 billion. One of the main reasons is because the economy uh, wasn't open back up. So the revenue going to the Treasury could have been much, much better. So federal outlays grew 32% um, from where they were prior to that report coming out. So let's take a moment. Let's just take a break and process that. Upside down by $311 billion in one month. I mean, this is Thelma and Louise going straight for the canyon, man. This is not good. Not good at all. Um, we saw mortgage rates ease a little bit last week. They were down 1.3%. Um, I think a lot of that is just because the 30-year fixed mortgage rate climbed to a reading of 3.26%. That's the highest it's been since last July. It's uh, about uh, 40 basis points or 0.40 points more since just the beginning of this year. It's getting people's attention. Um, something else that's getting people's attention is inflation. We saw the CPI or the consumer price index up four tenths of a percent in February, about 1.7% on an annual basis. It marked the biggest annual gain in one year. And then something else that I look at is, um, there's actually the business inflation expectations report that comes from the Atlanta Federal Reserve. And uh, their inflation expectation, based on uh, their polling, is up 2.4% is what uh, these businesses are looking at. It's not good. And, and, again, they just keep wanting to print money, our money, kids, grandkids, punishing them for uh, all of their selfish gain and uh, their their selfish uh, power needs and desires and um and, and to make themselves richer, too, you know, along the way while kind of keeping you over in the corner, patting you on your head. Um, also, we heard from uh, Janet Yellen. She said that the virus has had an extremely unfair impact on the income and economic opportunities of women. We know that we talked about uh, that with Elaine Parker two weeks ago and um, she shed really great light on that and. You know, when the Treasury Secretary starts talking like this, she was talking about long-term steps to improve labor market conditions for women. Okay, start by uh, opening the economy and getting kids back to school where they belong and have belonged for a year. And again, don't do the whole science thing unless you, you know, because you've been so wrong with it. And so, uh, I mean, there was just no fluidity to it. You guys... That was terrible. But Yellen said it was critical to address the risk that the virus would leave permanent scars, reducing the prospects for women in the workplace and the economy. Another reason that uh, China must be held accountable, in my opinion. They should pay. And, you know, she went on to continue to say it's extremely unfair that things uh, that are happening to women and they've experienced the greatest job losses since they had been disproportionately represented in the service sector and many had dropped out of the labor force to care for their children. Again, tell your boss to push back on the teachers unions, although he just paid them off, 
um, instead of doing just that. And you know, I mean, it's done. But instead of paying him off, that's what he should have done. No leadership whatsoever. None. So um, really, really a shame. On the other side of this break, we're going to be talking with my guest, Mr. Bill Bullard. He is the CEO of uh, RCAF USA, uh, the largest producer-only cattle trade association in America. We're going to be talking about those small ranchers and cattlemen and stock growers and the, the fight that they have against the uh, big, powerful uh, corporations. And also, we're going to learn who owns those corporations. Take a pull so I wouldn't cry. You got a line out the church door saying goodbye. This is 930 WFMD and WFMD.com. Now. WFMD News. Maryland is extending the state's income tax deadline by three months to July 15th. Comptroller Peter Francho made the announcement Thursday. No interest or penalties will be assessed if returns are filed and taxes owed or paid by the new deadline. The extension applies to individual, pass-through, fiduciary, and corporate income tax returns. On Thursday afternoon, President Biden signed a historic COVID-19 relief bill into law. Sixth District Representative David Trone said the American Rescue Plan has two goals, to get everyone vaccinated and to get the economy back on track. Congressman Trone said he and other members of Congress worked to get funding for mental health and addiction. We worked hard to get $4 billion in this uh, for mental health and addiction. And these are some numbers that really went the wrong way with covid a dramatic increase in folks suffering uh, from mental health and an overdose deaths, 83,000 last year, uh, set a new record. That's a record we never want to set again. He also said nearly $2 trillion legislation will help get cash into people's pockets. The congressman added that the plan increases the child tax credit for families, which will benefit many kids. 11% of our kids are under the poverty line. That's going to get 50% of them above the poverty line. And, you know, if it's not about our children, uh, that's where it needs to be about, our kids. The legislation will provide $350 billion to state and local governments, and more than $50 million of that will go to Frederick County. And the House of Delegates has passed a measure to implement sports betting. The bill passed 139-9 to 9 on Thursday. It now goes to the Senate. I'm Kevin McManus, WFMD News. News. I'm Karen McHugh. Those $1,400 stimulus checks should be in the hands of Americans soon. Stimulus checks will start being distributed this weekend, President Biden said after he signed the American Rescue Plan into law. This is going to make a difference in the lives of millions of people in very concrete, specific ways. The president gathered Democrats to the White House Rose Garden to celebrate the legislation approved this week without any Republican support. Fox's Jared Halpern, both the president and vice president, will be traveling across several states this coming week promoting the package. More New York State Democrats are calling on Governor Andrew Cuomo to resign over increasing sex harassment claims. And that's not all. But it's not just this. It's the number of deaths that he cr- that he created and caused during the COVID crisis. New York GOP Congress. 
Congressman Lee Zeldin on Fox. America is listening to Fox News. The 930 WFMD Skyscan forecast for Frederick and surrounding counties. As we head into the day, sunny with a high near 54 and west winds around 7 miles per hour. Saturday night, mostly clear with a low around 35 and light west winds. Sunday, sunny with a high near 59 and west winds 6 to 11 miles per hour, increasing to 12 to 17 miles per hour in the afternoon. Winds could gust as high as 28 miles per hour. PJ's Roofing. When it comes to your roof, they've got you covered. Visit PJsRoofing.com. I'm Dan Sutton. It's your financial editor with Chris Murray on 930 WFMD. Welcome back. This is Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com and as a podcast on iTunes. Thanks so much for being with us this morning. Uh, if you're a new listener, welcome. If you've been with us for a while, thank you very much for that. And for you folks that have been with us since I started the program in 1997, thank you so much for making it uh, what it is and, and what we've been able to do and accomplish over the years. Um, as always, uh, we get you the facts, and I kind of go through all the various data and top stories. And then this part of the program is when we uh, have a lot of fun. We bring on very education, uh, educational and informative-type guests to uh, give us uh, some insight as to some things that are going on across our country and elsewhere. And I'm um, very glad to have with me this morning the CEO of RCAF USA, Mr. Bill Bullard. Um, he uh, is the CEO at their national headquarters in Billings, Montana. And uh, before he took that role, he was uh, also a cow-calf rancher himself in South Dakota, and um and and this is something you know again if you've listened to me over the years you know uh, how important these types of subjects are when it comes to uh food production processing supply chain we saw what a nightmare uh it was last spring when a lot of the big processing plants uh had to shut down because of the virus from China so um you know we kind of want to dive into that a little more and also look at just how competitive it is for uh, the small ranchers, the small cattlemen type operations out there. Good morning, Mr. Bullard. Good morning, Chris. Yeah, thanks a lot for taking time out of your schedule. I know you're very busy, so I appreciate that. Um, if you would, just give our listeners a, an overview uh, of what RCAF USA is and what it does. Well, RCAF USA is a national organization that represents the economic interests of farmers and ranchers who raise and sell cattle. And so we're distinguished in the industry because we represent only the American farmers and ranchers. We don't represent the rest of the supply chain, the multinational meat packers, distributors, and retailers, for example. So we're unique and we're the largest organization in the United States that exclusively represents the interests of farmers and ranchers who raise and sell cattle. And the cattle industry is the single largest segment of American agriculture, much larger than other commodities such as corn, wheat, cotton, or poultry. 
And so we have the ability to help rebuild America uh, through the U.S. cattle industry because it is so large and it is dispersed all across the United States. We have cattle in every state and perhaps uh, cattle in most every county in the United States. So it really is uh, the, the opportunity to uh, use this industry to rebuild our uh, rural American economy that has been in very tough shape for many, many years. So uh, w- w- what do you think as far as you said, you know, it's been in tough shape, but what's the kind of the current uh, overview of uh, the uh, ag industry part that you represent? Well, it's been significantly dismantled. Uh, You could describe it as in a state of shambles. Uh, We have a situation now where we have been seeing the cattle producers exiting the industry at an alarming rate. Uh, We've lost over a half a million cattle producers just since 1980. uh, And consumers now know when they go to the grocery store, they are paying all-time record prices for beef. But at the same time, the cattle producers uh, all across America are receiving prices that are as low or lower than they were a decade ago. And so the market itself is fundamentally broken. Uh, the evidence is that consumers are paying record prices for beef while cattle producers are receiving depressed prices and, and exiting the industry. And so we have a complete disconnect in the marketplace today between the value of cattle that the farmers and ranchers receive versus the price of beef that consumers are paying. And obviously that means somebody in the middle is is making windfall profits off the back of producers, the cattle producers on one end of the supply chain and consumers on the other end. Who is that middleman? Well, of course, that's the multinational meatpackers that are purchasing the cattle from the producers and then uh, selling that product for a, an inflated price to the uh, retailers. So um, how, how do you combat that? Um, again, you know, your organization, as you said, is the uh, largest uh, trade association in America when it comes to, to cattle. Um, you know, what's that fight look like? Well, it's, it's a huge David versus Goliath battle. Uh, we have four meat packers in the United States that control 85% of all of the boxed beef fed cattle production. Uh, and that's an unprecedented level of concentration in any industry. It's perhaps the most concentrated industry in America. And as a result, you have four packers that possess tremendous buying power in the marketplace. And as a result, uh, you have hundreds of thousands of disaggregated cattle farmers and ranchers you know, trying to market approximately 25 million cattle through these single four big, large, oligopolistic meat packers. And uh, it doesn't take much of an imagination to realize that, that there is a huge disparity in market power and there is a huge disparity in the leverage that the buyers, in this case the meat packers, have over the producers. Why do you think that's uh, been allowed to uh, to go unchecked for so long? Well, uh, what has happened for decades is that the U.S. government, the regulators, have refused to properly enforce our antitrust laws. And they were following an ideal that uh, the markets would be self-correcting. Whatever problem we have today will be corrected tomorrow because of the marketplace. 
But what's not entered into that equation is the tremendous market power, abusive market power that is possessed by those who control the lion's share of the market. And so the regulators have really been asleep at the wheel for at least the past 30 years. And only recently, only after what you described, and that was shortages in the, in the beef counters at the grocery stores, uh, that has caused uh, the government to essentially wake up. And they've begun calling for investigations into whether or not there is uh, uh, price or uh, price rigging occurring within the industry itself. And so uh, we never had the level of focus on the entire beef supply chain as we have today, and we view that as a very positive step in in reforming this tremendous disparity in power in the marketplace itself. Yeah, and that's great to hear. I mean, it really is. That's that is encouraging. Uh, what do you think it's going to look like as far as the uh, follow through? These these people that are looking into things actually, you know, seeing it through and making sure that uh, that these uh, problems are addressed. Well, uh, we don't know because our organization has been calling for investigations for the past ten to fifteen years. And the investigations always come back and say, well, there's a lot of reasons that cattle prices fall, but they never focus on whether or not there is unlawful antitrust behavior in the marketplace itself. And for that reason, our organization filed a historic antitrust lawsuit against the largest four packers. We filed that lawsuit in April 2019. And you might be aware that uh, there has been antitrust lawsuits, private lawsuits like ours, that have been filed in the poultry industry, the hog industry, and the beef industry. And so um, the private action, I believe, is absolutely essential in order to pull the regulators into the arena so that they can begin to do their job. So while we, while we are optimistic uh, that they will do a thorough and probing investigation, their past history suggests that we're going to be disappointed in the outcome. And I hope that's not true, but uh, uh, we've learned from our experiences. Yeah, I hope that's not true also, but it's it's hard not to be uh, cynical and pessimistic about the bureaucrats out there uh, for sure and how they – I was getting ready to say how they do their job, but that's not it. It's how they don't do their job. We're going to squeeze a, a quick commercial break in here. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with my guest this morning, Mr. Bill Bullard. Uh, he's the CEO of RCAF USA. On the other side, we'll talk about, um, you know, some of these big players, uh, you know, who they are, uh, foreign owned, uh, entities, you know, and how, um, uh, produce and, 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 uh, and meat are actually, uh, you know, how they're identified and, and really how the wool's being pulled over your eyes. You, you'll want to know about this. Stay tuned. <laughs> Are you finding it hard to fix that kitchen leak by yourself? Or maybe your toilet is clogged up one too many times. If you're in search of professional, reliable, and efficient plumbing services, look no further than Griffith Plumbing. No matter your plumbing problem, Griffith Plumbing can help. Learn more at gogriffithplumbing.com. If you've got a plumbing problem, just stay calm. 
The answer's at GoGriffithPlumbing.com. Happy weekend! It's a free talk weekend on 930 WFMD. Welcome back. This is Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com. And, of course, as a podcast uh, on iTunes. So um, we're going to finish up uh, our interview with my guest this morning, Mr. Bill Bullard. Uh, he is the CEO of RCAF USA, uh, representing small ranchers, cattlemen, stock growers, the largest uh, producer-only cattle trade association in America, and uh, Mr. Baller, right before the break there, I was just kind of teasing. Um, can you tell us about some of these uh, instances where we have foreign ownership uh, involved deeply in our food uh, supply chain? Well, in the cattle industry, I said that we had four largest multinational meat packers that control 85% of the fed cattle market. Of those four, two are foreign-owned. Uh, JBS, a Brazilian firm, is the second largest meat packer in the United States and the largest meat packer in the world. Marfrig has recently purchased the fourth largest beef packer in the United States. So now we have two Brazilian firms, JBS and Marfrig, uh, that control approximately 40-some percent of the U.S. fed cattle market. So we had tremendous foreign uh, intrusion, if you will, in our beef supply chain. And if you look at the pork industry, you know, the single largest pork producer in the United States is now Chinese-owned, and that's Smithfield Farms. And so we have a real problem in that for a nation who depends upon its ability to maintain the highest level of food security, uh, we have essentially outsourced that now to processors in, on foreign soil, uh, and the U.S. consumer is now dependent on them for much of their food supply. Yeah, it's sad and it's scary. And again, we talked about this uh, quite a bit uh, last year. And, and then, of course, when I received your email um, uh, and press relief, uh, I, you know, it, it just it prompted. Uh, I think it was great timing so we could get this information in more detail out to people. I mean, obviously, you represent uh, a ton of people, uh, professional uh, ranchers and cattlemen. And, uh, they do a great job. It's, uh, it's, you know, so I married into a dairy family and, uh, my in-laws, they're, they have the only, le- there's only one dairy farm left in Howard County, Maryland. Um, the, one of the reasons for that is because it's always top five, top ten richest counties in the country. And, you know, you, you see a lot of these farmers getting pushed out, which is a shame. But you also see uh, it's similar to what, uh, you, you know, your cattlemen go through is with milk prices and um, with all the nonsense involved in that. And um, just a pet peeve I had when, you know, uh, Tom Vilsack was, uh, uh, you, you know, when he was secretary of agriculture. Well, when he left, he went to work for the uh, National Dairy, one of the National Dairy Association organizations, made about $960,000 a year. And I actually saw him in a business interview when he was asked about how he was going to compete with um, soy milk and rice milk, et cetera. You know, how was that going to work out? He never even corrected the person. There is no such thing as soy milk. There is no such thing as rice milk. So you look at how these things are not addressed, as you've mentioned, years over years. 
And it's really a shame because it takes its toll on these industries for these really hardworking folks. No question about it. And, you know, one of the biggest deceptions that's occurring to consumers right now is that uh, our Congress has repealed what was called the country of origin labeling law that once required all beef sold at retail to be labeled as to where the animal was born, raised, and slaughtered. After the repeal of that law in 2016, the meat packers were able to unilaterally decide to import uh, beef from 20 different countries, Namibia, Africa, Brazil, Uruguay, Argentina, Australia, Mexico, Canada, and then they bring it into the United States. And under the U.S. Department of Agriculture rules, all they need to do is unpackage that imported beef product, throw the foreign label away, put it in a new package and slap a product of USA label on that foreign product and sell it to unsuspecting consumers using the uh, the good name and reputation of American cattle farmers and ranchers. That, so that is a deception on consumers, and it is hurting uh, tremendously the financial viability of America's farmers and ranchers because the multinational meat packers and other importers are bringing in substitute product, direct substitutes, passing it off as if it were produced under the highest standards in the world, which is right here in the United States of America, and then selling it to the unsuspecting consumer. So we're reaching out to consumers and asking for their help. We need them to call Congress and tell them or to demand that they once again pass a law that requires all beef sold in America to be labeled as to where it was born, raised, and slaughtered, because consumers deserve the best beef in the world produced under the best of conditions, and that's the beef produced by America's cattle farmers and ranchers. That's sickening. I mean, that is there is no uh, there is no reason that that should. Ha who was responsible for that? Who, who repealed that? Well, that was uh, the Congress, your Congress, that repealed that in, in late 2015. They didn't even write a bill to repeal it. They have repealed it in an appropriations bill. And it just goes to show the tremendous political and economic power that the multinational meat packers and the entire meat packing lobby uh, is able to uh, impose upon Congress. Well, like and you Congress said, it's really it really is a David. Their needs very well. Yeah, it is a David and Goliath issue, like you mentioned uh, when we first started speaking. It's just that's that's it is. It's sickening. I mean, I've been aware of it, but you know, then again, when you start having the conversation and 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 other things come up, it's uh, it's it's terrible. Uh, my guest this morning, Mr. Bill Bullard. Uh, he's married, three children. Uh, used to be a uh, cow and calf rancher himself in South Dakota before he became the CEO of um, R Calf USA, and uh, it's headquartered in Billings, Montana. Um, so, where do we go? We have just a couple minutes. Where do we go forward with this fight? How are you going to win and change the things that we've, or at least that I've been complaining about? Well, we win if consumers will join with us to help support the U.S. domestic meat supply chain. And the way to do that is to demand that they purchase beef produced exclusively from their neighboring farmers and ranchers, and they have to get Congress in order to do that. So calls to Congress are absolutely essential uh, in order for us to achieve what needs to be done. We've actually drafted proposed legislation for Congress that will restore country awards and labeling for beef. Uh, but we have yet to have a member of Congress stand up and say they're willing 
to stand up against the meat packers and introduce the legislation. So if consumers begin calling, uh, they will help us greatly in accomplishing that important task. How about uh, supporting your local uh, uh, meat markets? Is that is that a good thing, too? Absolutely. Uh, we have many producers now, when they saw the uh, shortage in the grocery stores, they began selling beef directly to consumers, and now they're selling. We've got more local packing plants getting started. Uh, the consumers should be very much in support of that. We need to have more packing plants in all local areas so we never again have a situation where consumers go to go to the store and cannot buy the beef they need for their families. Yeah, it could be pretty lucrative. I happen just to know that again because of uh, we work with 4-H kids and, and do different uh, things, and our children were in it. And um, I know two of the uh, processors that we use, uh, family businesses, uh, one is totally booked through – uh, this year and the other one, it's not until March 2022 when you can actually get a date, uh, to take your animal in. So to me, that really is encouraging. I mean, it's frustrating if you need, you know, to, to, to get on their schedule, but it's also good because they're doing very well on their end and it also shows that there's nice demand, uh, from those local organizations. Exactly. And that's exactly what needs to be done, and it has to be driven by the consumers. The consumers now know that the supply chain was broken. Uh, they now know that we're industry is vulnerable to uh, pandemics and could very well be uh, vulnerable to climatic conditions. Uh, so we need to better uh, rebuild a resilient and robust food supply chain, and it starts with the family farmer and rancher. And then from there it goes to having local processing plants. It, it's, uh, it's a community issue, um, and with consumer support, we will get there. Well, fantastic, and thank you so much for shedding that light and giving our, our listening audience so much good information and such good things and important things to think about, whether they're calling their Congress and or uh, supporting these uh, these local, um, uh, you know, farmers and the uh, the 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 meat packing uh, options that they have around here and you know really around the country. So, Mr. Bullard, thank you so much. I really appreciate that, and you enjoy the rest of your weekend. Thank you very much, Chris. Yes, sir. All right, good. So that was obviously kind of off the uh, page of something we may normally talk about, but do you sense the importance of that? I mean, call your congressman. I know a bunch of them are goofballs, and they're not going to pay attention, but do it anyway and support you know your local farmers and Mount Airy Meat Locker and Stony Point and you know all the others so that uh, we win this uh, as Americans and we support those American ranchers and the dairy farmers and the uh, produce uh, developer. I mean, everybody. That's what we want to do is support Americans. So now that's uh, it for us. I'll talk with you on the Morning News Express with uh, Bob Miller and Ryan Hendrick. And uh, that's 550, 7.50 every weekday morning. And then we'll be back here next Saturday uh, for another edition of the Your Financial Editor program. And... Um, just as a reminder, you can go to murrayfinancialgroup.com. The value of an objective opinion. Uh, that's a complimentary download for you. So uh, help yourself to that. This is Chris Murray wishing you and your family financial success.
Got them off the oak hat on top of your head and southern pride tattoo. Past editions of this program are available in the audio vault at WFMD.com. A service of Partners in Care, Upscale Resale Boutique in the Willow Tree Plaza. News Radio 930. WFMD Frederick. A connoisseur media radio station. 7 o'clock.